You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, April 2nd, it's Steve Perry, Tim Vickery, and I'm Ian Clark. And we're back from BMO Field for day one, post D-Row. No D-Rosario, no win against a hapless Chivas USA. A disappointing 1-1 draw for a TFC side that lacked any intangibles or ability to hit an open net. Who stepped up this afternoon? Who got the better deal? And the question to you, the listener, is who's the next to go? All in the next 30 minutes, this is Eastside Stand Up. <laughs> so we just got back from BMO Field, which is uh, quite Be- beautiful. Be- what, beautiful Saturday. What afternoon. a glorious afternoon! Glorious uh, afternoon of weather. It was beautiful. It really was uh, warm. When you have nothing else to talk about the game, you talk about the weather. Yeah, isn't that isn't that true? We've set the tone right off the bat. But a one-one, a one-one draw with uh, Chivas USA and yeah, so Toronto uh, go what a well, disappointment. Yeah, they go one-one and one for the season so far. But, you know, at times I felt like we were lucky to get the tie, in, uh, you know, especially in the first 20 minutes. Uh, I think, I guess, the stage was set with the April Fool's, tr- April Fool's Day trade with Dero uh, getting traded to New York for uh, defenseman and uh, midfielder, right? Yep. And, and then, I guess, a draft pick, right? Yeah, so we, got we, have, the, we got a first-round draft pick. So that's not bad, but... Um, but, we're, you know, we don't... What, happen, what happens on the pitch, really... <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, it speaks, I guess, to maybe opening things up or whatever, but um, maybe not. I, the The game was pretty marked by flat. Well, Tim, you characterized it as pedestrian, really. Yeah, well, it's it very it, nothing going it on. It seemed really. that, well, the first half to me, um, it seemed very. It seemed like Toronto struggled to get the ball into out of their own half, and uh, the second half was just. Seemed to me that there was about a twenty-minute. Everyone was to, watching their wristwatches. Twenty twenty-five-minute period where just absolutely nothing happened. It seemed like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, getting I've, back to the the trade of Dero, I think this is one of the most significant moments in Toronto FC's history. Do, yeah. Even beyond all the backroom and front room shuffling and movements and new coaches and assistant coaches and GMs, yeah. I think. Um, I, I think personally, I think it's a very sad moment for Toronto FC because I think. Um, um, bringing Di Rosario to Toronto was a move where he could have um, he could have retired, he could have finished his career in Toronto, and um, and I think he wanted to, and could have could have really really established himself in the in the heart and soul of Toronto as a as a as a, as a, leading, a leading sportsman yeah. in his and, field, yeah, and brought a lot of pride to the city, and and also an aspirational character for many young kids who want to play football. Um, I think it's he would have tra- been the first to be able to play in this, in this town. I think it's a tragedy. Um, it's a tragedy that the organisation allowed someone like Di Rosario, of this whole situation, to spiral it out of control. With uh, and you know, I think ultimately the responsibility lies with the the, the organisation that they allowed the relationship between Di Rosario and south. them to to yeah. go so bad to go south that. that the one minute he's uh, the captain of the side and our leading goal scorer, and the next minute he's playing for the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's a shame, and I know that there's a lot of players, a lot of sorry supporters who are glad that he's gone, 
And in a certain way, I'm glad he's gone as well because the relationship had become so unhealthy that it was no, I didn't think there was any chance of it recovering. What I am sad about is the fact that it got that bad to, to begin with. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really thought that, I mean, the contribution that De Rosario had is that he I almost single-handedly won us our only piece of silverware. Mm-hmm. And I think you were you reminded us at the game, Sparky, about the interview with Craig Forrest at half-time in the uh, Neutralite Cup against Montreal. Yeah, I think... 2-1 I think at half-time? 2-1, I think it was, at halftime. I think a lot of people have selective memory when it comes to uh, De Rosario well, course, and his impact. Yeah. You know, they, they just think of the check signing, what a selfish guy that he was. But, you know, there's two... I remember there's two halftime speeches. I had one where he lambasted the organization for the artificial pitch um, on national television or on CBC which was, you know, a huge moment in terms of like, okay, this enough is enough. You know, this this field is a disaster. And then the second one was Craig Forrest just kind of saying to De Rosario at halftime, um, you know, oh, it's two to one. You know, you guys got to get four goals. It's not very likely, uh, you know, but you put in a good game. And, and he just looks at him with this. He's like, come on, Craig. Like, there's still 45 minutes. What are you talking about? Like, anything can happen in mm-hmm. 45 minutes. You know, we, we want to win this game. And literally... I, I remember if I'm if I'm wrong then I'm wrong but I distinctly recall it was like off right off the kickoff uh, Dero is streaking down the side goes one on one scores from just outside the 18 yard box it's three to one and you're just like holy shit they're gonna like, do it holy shit like we're gonna and then, I, I'm sure everyone who remembers that game where it was like holy <coughs> crap now it's four to one oh my gosh now it's five to one and yeah. then it's six to, and you're losing your and mind and he got a hat trick in that game as yep. well mm-hmm. I mean it's uh, it's it's unfortunate we lost um, I think uh, yesterday April 1st um, was a, a, a sad day for the organisation because we lost a player that Toronto really could have made, like, could have made their own. Mm-hmm. He could have become Toronto FC. You know, they always talk in basketball and uh, about franchise players. Yep. Um, I think we in De Rosario we had a franchise player. We had a character, a personality, and and someone <laughs> with the ability to go alongside of it. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's gone, so it's time to move on. But. However, I'm kind. Of, I'm very sad about it. And, and I and it was that, the evidence was on the pitch today. Yeah, I'm gonna say this. The, the segue is early, very early on in the game when you saw the the team standing out there. You sort of looked at this starting eleven, and you said, "I said to myself, who's who's our intangible? Like, who is the player that I'm looking to in this game that I know week in and week out can be counted on to score a goal or at least." you know, 90% of the time look good. Well, they played Mike on Santos in that position, but we talked about his, he's plagued with injury. I mean, he was even he's, grabbing, he's he was, prone. He was grabbing his hamstring uh, midway through this game. But the other thing about Santos is um, he, they were trying to push him into that role, that role that De Rosario used to occupy, where it's kind of all over the pitch. Yeah. He's deep, he's far forward, he's on the wing. He's, and Santos didn't look natural in it, because, most, mostly because Santos is only really good over about six to ten yards. Yeah. So he, he's only good really to beat a striker, a uh, defender. Sorry, and then he, I don't think he has the I don't think he has the, the the energy and the sort of the legs to be running all over the pitch. And, and he's, probably, the he's also not used to being defended. He's a striker. Yeah, and he's we, a striker. And not to like we were saying uh, yeah. off the record, not to be a what's the, a, a nationalist, but uh, Brazilians are known st- for not to stereotype, but Brazil, stereotype. Brazilians are not known for the defense, and they're not known for you know uh, that sort Especially of that, that, well that English style of <laughs> yeah. you know you got to cover every square inch of the pitch two times over. Yeah, you know, the hard grinding working style that even I think in in North America people. That's what they look for. Yeah, the both so games, the so defense and the that He's never going to fill, because Di Rosario was a guy who, you know, you can say what you will, but he was always 
in fifth gear. And he always led by experience as well. Uh, led from by example. Like De Rosario on the field, he like, didn't go out there. He didn't go out there ever. I don't think without the intention to sort of win the game. I also think he was always in the thick of it. Wherever the yeah. play was, he was he made himself in it as part of it. He was he wasn't going to let people beat him. Yeah. So I mean, off the top, Steve, uh, you always talk about that sort of nervous five minutes, and Toronto looked like in the first five minutes that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know who their who their main guy was. They didn't know. They looked shaky on the defense with their well, two new well, players. I, I noticed that when we came out, they uh, they introduced the team a lot earlier than um, than normal. So I think because they just didn't want to get the wrath of booze when De Rosario's name wasn't on the list, right? And I think because I was only hearing it outside of the gate before I got in, right. so it was happening a lot earlier than normal. And um, I think when I don't think the team kind of had figured out who was playing in which positions. I mean, I, yeah. obviously they had been given instruction for where they were starting, but I don't think they had worked it out because they're not used to having Dero not in that formation in the lineup, right? Yeah. And um, so so Shiva scores within two minutes to, oh, of the God, game. Yeah. On the second minute. And not only that, but then they came back at us with five minutes, five and a half minutes. They had a, a great att- attack from across. At the 12-minute mark, they almost scored again. And at the 13th minute, they, so... Within the first 15 minutes, they've had four really good scoring chances. We were lucky not to be four down within 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, well, if I don't mind, if I can just interrupt there, yeah. the team looked in like complete disarray for about the first 15 to 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. It wasn't until we had a, a, a strike on goal that we looked like we had any confidence. I think it was our first attack. It well, was the 24th Well, minute. it was the Santos, the Santos where we hit the... Uh, well, not Santos, was it... Um, it was actually... You know what it was? The play that I marked down is what kind of got us going was phrase Hail Mary to Martina again. Yeah. He launched one down to That's Martina right. Actually, and, and around right. that point of the game, which I think was around... And people like, started cheering thinking he's going to do it again. He's yeah, going to score around, it was a goal 20, off the volley. It was the 24th minute. From Frey. Yeah, and we had that one little burst of energy where it's like, okay, they've finally woken up. And then Gordon hit the post and then it seemed like everyone was like, oh, so we're in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can we can we can mount an opposition. And then it was, I mean, f- at least for the first half. I mean, I made notes that, I mean, you had your overall assessment of Atacora, but I thought in the first half there was another opportunity where Chivas was right in the box there, and the guy had a clear shot, and he closed the distance and, and blocked it with, you know, with a second well, the, to go. The, the first half, the tactic seemed to be um, they tried the long ball and it wasn't really making the connection, so they tried to play this passing possession game. Mm-hmm. But it, as soon as it got to the, the halfway line. They just backtracked and sent it back to Fry, and then they kind of like, okay, let's try this again. Yeah, and they just went through the exact same motion. But and, but um, the first twenty five minutes was uh, felt by attack attack after attack by Shivas. The, the Atacora had um, actually thrown it six times, th- six attacks. Uh, he was the last man in each of those, and if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't there would we would have been down. Uh, I mean, I know that Frey also Fry played a, a role in this, but it was pretty much single handedly Atacora stopping. These attacks getting through. We looked awful on the back line. That back line, I mean, I'm glad to see Atacora and Khan playing together. I think that works really well. I don't know about Harden, and I don't know about the new guy, Borman. Yeah. Um, he seemed, Borman took uh, one good play, but he lost Shit, though, every man, ball. Shit, though, maybe he only arrived this morning. He, I know. Yeah. He to be got, fair. got, like, the red eye from New York. Like, <laughs> to be fair, sure. To be fair. But, but if, if Toronto was playing, he probably got the great eye from but New that York. But that left wing... 
He, yeah. You know what? He flew into Buffalo and had to take a bus from Buffalo. <laughs> the to super, what's it called? The the milk, uh, the milk run. The, the, yeah. Look, it, it, regardless, I th- that whole left side looked like every time the ball went to it, it went out or we turned it over. That left side of ours is no good. Yeah, the number twenty-five. And at the by the end of the game, new, that was Borman. That was Borman, number twenty-five. And number ten. Really unsure. There's only one time that I saw him play that he looked good, and that's where he th- threaded the ball forward and then ran so that he could overlap. As an overlap. And then he player. kind of like was begging for the ball to be passed back to him, and he could kind of did a very lofted chip in. The ball got hung for ages, and then uh, like, there was yeah, a bit of a challenge said. on the keeper. But it's the only time he looked like he was in like sort of like Anything. in control of that left hand side. Yeah, he's no Marvel Win. No, <laughs> <laughs> Marvel Win. But I mean, the first half closes at one one, and there was the there was the um, the free kick. Was it a free kick? Is that what I'm thinking of? They scored on the free kick, Gord or Alan Gordon from Peterson. That yeah, was a beautiful goal, by the way. It was. It was like Peterson is not someone who I would have thought would be taking the free kicks or in the spot, the spot kicks. But yeah, it was yeah. A, that was exactly it was the type very, of ball that needed to be played. Very very clean, the control by Gordon uh, with the header. Yeah, it was one of those ones where the keeper couldn't decide whether to take, you know, take the take Peterson come, come out for Peterson's yeah. ball. Or or stay in his net and he it's just it just freezes yeah. them right yeah, that indecision that indecision by putting the it on the right hand side of the keeper because he was kind of trying to move out so yeah. at the moment that it went on the right hand side as you look at the goal of the keeper um, he didn't he, he had no chance of getting a hand to it but it was a velvet touch it was beautiful yeah, it, was, yeah, it, it happened well at the it happened at the thirty six minute and mark, uh, so. Gordon took it very well I think his celebration was quite exciting to and, see him yeah yeah he jumped into the stands <coughs> and one Excuse of the things me. that um, uh, someone remarked about is that um and i know this isn't true but it's like the first time we someone said this is the first time we scored off a set piece i know that's not true no, it's not true but but it's this rare is, but it's rare that we score off set pieces right yeah. this is the the, the information it's, you rare, get it's some, rare, rare we score it's this is the information you get sometimes <laughs> that's true too <laughs> sitting in the stands at bmo field no but you know i mean because not everyone sees the every game right so but, do you mind if i just backtrack a little bit yeah. we uh, received before the uh, before we started today an email from uh, alan in hamilton and alan was inquiring about uh, the di rosario trade and whether uh, we uh, whether our opinions on whether this would affect uh, the chances of Di Rosario making the Wall of Honor at BMO Field. So, mm. Steve, your thoughts? And um, by the way, thanks a lot, Alan, for the email. It's very appreciated. Yeah, I think uh, it would be a mistake not to put him on the wall. But I think that there's too much too much hard feelings for an LSE to. I think they have to get over. It might take a year or two before they actually do. But they, there's no way they can deny. So you don't think there's when no he comes- way they can deny the top goal scorer. To go in that wall, so, and the only the only team because who have they put there? Who have they put there? Jim Brennan. Like in comparison, D. Rowe is miles ahead of Jim Brennan, or even Dwayne. D- I mean, Dikio was a D- obviously a fan D- favorite, D- D- but yeah. I mean, it's, what did he, he he scored our first goal? So I guess that's something to go up there. But Brennan, I'm just that that is the most baffling thing ever. Of Jim Brennan being just because he's the captain. I think, uh, I think MLS E would he rather burn captain. down the stadium than put Di Rosario. They'll, it'll never happen. It won't happen. This year. As long as MLS is the ownership group of, of Toronto City, he will never be on a Wall of Fame. And um, man, happen. I bet it you would, it would be very touching if that when the Red Bulls come for their like sort of away game at BMO, they did that for Di Rosario, like to sort of you know say you know thank you for your contribution. And outside of all the politics and all the bullshit that went on between us and you. We recognize you as the team captain. We recognize you as a cup-winning co- contributor. 
and also their highest goal scorer in club history. Yeah, I think you're right. It would be classy for them to do. It would be very classy. But I don't think they're going to do it. No, I, as I said, I think there's more chance of them burning down the place yeah, than yeah, there is of putting yeah. his name on the wall. I'd like to be proven wrong. but Maybe in a year or two. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe after he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we should roll in. Let's roll into the second half and wrap this game up. Because oh, well, it, should... it'll be quick. <laughs> It'll yeah. be quick going second half. Well, I didn't really see much in the second half. Well, I mean, okay. I mean there is aside one... from aside from the groundskeepers coming onto the pitch and trying to repair well, the op- open heart uh, surgery uh, on at the six yard box, Let's... there's two big patches, yeah. and and they constantly came out. And I, <coughs> you know, I wondered, Tim wondered actually, whether that was legal, whether the groundskeepers can actually enter the pitch during a game. That, I don't think in the rules of football, anyone is allowed on the pitch without at all. the referee's permission. Yeah, the referee, like if you're the the medical team. You're not allowed on until the the referee blows you on. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think that two groundsmen are allowed to come on and dig a hole in the middle of the field. I mean, it was strange. Firstly, I don't understand. And if I was Scott Scott's turf builder, the sponsors, I'd want my name taken off of that bit quickly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible fucking advert for yeah, Scott's really bad. turf builder. Well, yeah. even the advert says if you want your grass to look like like BMO field. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. You want a big hole in the middle of it with like yeah. a, a. Do you want, do you want to look like fifty dogs have been running around, and probably <laughs> taking a leak on your grass? Yeah. You know, this is what BMO feels well, like. Uh, that's, well, let's. We should discuss then that. that I mean, there's obviously for anyone that didn't see the game, there are two patches in front of the north stand goal, um, where they, it appears as if there's a hole or okay. some sort of. This is ridiculous. We're talking about grass here. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's no, but I telling just about... anyone who hasn't seen it, but I'm just sure, I'm, sure, in reference but... to the, the Santos... Uh, okay. the Santos. Uh, yeah, that's an important part of the second half. So so there's a, anyone who didn't see the game or had any trouble visualizing this, there's two patches in front of the North Stand goal, which appears as if there's a hole or something, and they've filled it in with dirt, and then they've laid over the top of it what appears to be like a green astroturf, artificial turf blanket. And they they were jamming it with some sort of stick and flat thing to bang it in. That flat thing is actually what you do for asphalt. That's how you bang down asphalt. They're okay. using a tool for asphalt to 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 sort of. Uh, and they were, I think it's like a loose piece of. Well, they're trying. Sod to, no, it's not on. sod though, because it, it looks, it, it looks like turf. No, it's not. It looks, it looks like astroturf. It looks like a blanket of some sort. Because of. last week's game, yeah, that patch was came up. It was dead. Like, it was a big yellow thing. Where like the keeper, it was dead side. There's two spots came in the up. 18 in the six and yard Stephen box. And Stefan Fry at one point actually tried to put it down, pat it down. Yeah, there's, there's like two spots in the six yard box where a keeper would sort of deliver his his free kicks or distribute the ball, and that's where this grass is just completely destroyed. It's worn out. Yeah, it's ruined. So yeah. so they put these blankets over it and a load of dirt underneath it, and um, uh, there was a lovely run by Gordon again, was it or was it Martino? It was Santos. Uh, Santos. Uh, no, no, but the. He, the, the original pass that came in through for, to Santos came from Gordon. Yes. Came from Gordon. Yeah, so Gold, right, Gordon did Gordon. A, real, a lot of hard work breaking through the midfield. It was a beautiful pass. Threaded the ball through to Santos, and then Santos took the ball across the face of goal. And then there was a bit of a, like a, a collision between a defender and Santos. And then Santos shot, and it appeared that he went wide. The, de- the defender actually. Or the defender. The defender the, poked it. But when you looked at them afterwards, like this blanket that was lying over the ground appeared to have played like a contributing factor in the way where the ball went. It didn't. Well, we will only know once we've seen the replays. Yeah. Then. Yes. And that's but, but I did. I did watch the replay at the stadium because they showed it right after. I don't think the field's fit to play on. I, I I take your point, but I don't think it had a factor in that play. I think what was the factor in that play is Santos's 
uh, delay in releasing the trigger so on the shot. Greedy. No, no, I think it. he waited too. Stevanovich was coming down wide open. He he would have he had an open net. He, he waited was moving too, forward. He, he waited too long. He either waited too long to make the pass or to shoot it. Well, that's what either you said. way, he, he held let, on to it too long. He let the play catch up to him. He let the play catch up to him. It was a mistake. And it's weird for a Brazilian to let the play catch up to him because usually they're. Well, that's why on top I think it, right? this patch. No, it wasn't. I think this. Pa- it appeared to me like he put they were, his foot they, on it and they were, it skidded. They were in front of the patch. They were on but the I patch. But I should. No, I, th- I would also put out there that if I was the Mike patch was a convenient excuse for missing. Well, well I'm not one. I'm never one to rationalize or or uh, allow like sort of excuses. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it appeared you... to me that the patch. You know, this is like Patchgate. Yeah, <laughs> the, patch, the patch was a way to save face for Santos. I love how over the last year and a half, I think the grass has been one of the most consistent topics of conversation that we've had every podcast. It's a factor. Yeah. But um, it didn't look like it weathered there's well. Nothing, the only other thing I think worth mentioning in the second no, half. There, there's was, some other significant things. Well, Go ahead. You start. Well, I mean, I, I, I got some other things. I, I think the significant thing was, was the, the halftime substitution, Peterson out and Guzman in. Um, I mean, it's not a huge, it's not a huge discussion, but it is worth noting that our designated player came back for a second half substitution, looked absent. Not, yeah, I didn't even know he was in. Not yeah, well, I, you noted that. I, the 88th minute when he took a corner <coughs> is when I saw his name on the back of the jersey, and I'm like, holy shit, the Guzman's been playing. I didn't know he had been put in at the half. I didn't know until the last two minutes of the game. I didn't realize he was on the yeah, pitch. But, as I said to you during the game, though, Steve, like, his I, impact on most games has been almost zero. Okay, but he, am I not that observant? Or is was he just invisible? Yeah, but the second half was fucking I agree boring. With you. I agree with you. I'm, I, am I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm and, saying, uh, I'm just giving you one, a, a one, different One of our friends that came to the game with us um, said it was like he was in like a trance-like state. It was almost like hypnotic, the, the sort of monotony of it all. Like you weren't really aware of what was going on. Because there was, there was nothing to watch. Yeah, it was slow, very slow. Oh, yeah. was... So one other thing I wanted to note was that um, there was we did get to see some new players, um, aside from the new transfers. Uh, we got to see uh, Decoy Williams uh, play. Yeah, who, interesting sign. This is the Jamaican guy, yeah? Well, yeah. He is in, uh, sorry to cut you off, Steve. No, go ahead. But I think it's worth noting that he played a game in the preseason. Yeah. He was asked... Aaron Venter was asked about his performance point blank, and his response was no comment. Hmm. Where it was, I mean, he played very bad. So he didn't want to say anything good. He didn't about play. Him. He good. didn't want to say anything bad about him. So it was strange that his really his one moment in a in a in a competitive game, he was quite poor. Venter did not seem impressed whatsoever, and now he signed with the team. It's 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 just I'm kind of confused if it's just like well shit we're, we're low on bodies we gotta add I, that's depth. exactly it though I think that's what it is does he I have think a it's, pulse? He I does think have it's, a pulse does he yeah. have his own boots? he I does think, have his own boots <laughs> yeah. I am yeah, I think, I think that's he it. came with a go, go train pass too so <laughs> he, he fits the bill for Toronto and he took out out of Cora and uh, his only touch on the game and the ball was to send it out and it wasn't a, it wasn't a desperation clearance it was supposed to be a pass oh it was an awful pass. Okay. Uh, and we saw another guy by the name of Plata come in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plata. Plata. Yeah, Plata. Oh, yeah, Plata, that's right. He and was, uh, I thought he... He had some pace to him, so he could be our next Chad Barrett. <laughs> oh, don't wish that on <laughs> oh, the that's a, boy. He, he actually He's had... such he, a mean bastard. I mean, ever, some people who would have followed would know that he, in the Super Draft, he was mm-hmm. this guy that came in during the Combine where they sort of preview the players going into the draft and caused a lot of excitement. He was scoring quite a few goals. But the, his knock was he's five foot two, and MLS is a league that's extremely physical. 
So, and he's also, um, he's from Ecuador. So he would count as an international player. So that's, that's, he's got, he's got to be worth his weight in gold to take up that spot for someone to risk drafting him. But Toronto picked him 49. Like they picked him one of the last picks. Mm. Um, so it's quite a bit of a gamble, a bit of a long-term plan, I think, with him to see if he works out. I mean, yeah, everything, like, everything at Toronto FC is a gamble. Yeah, well. It's not like, nothing. if you look at like the team, how, how long has the team been around? Five years? This is the fifth. Are there any, you seen the are there, are there, season V? Oh, yeah. Season are there any v. players from season one that are still with the team? Mm-mm. Season two? Mm-mm. Season three? Stephen Fry. Yeah, Stephen Fry. Yeah, and from season four... And Adekora. I think from season four, we've got... Khan and Adekora. And Mike and Santos. And Mike Constantos and Fry. Yeah. So four like, players. There's no Gargan, Hard and oh, yeah, right. Peterson. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we, was that the question? No, that was a question we were going to pose to them. Who's the next to go? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we should pose it now. Do you want to pose, pose it? it now? Well, that's, that's, that's the question. Are we going to answer it or are we going to wait until next with week? With zero gone, who do you think's the next to go? Yeah, we want to know. Email, email us at, uh, what's the email address? Or you can do info at rednationonline.ca or you can do have your say at rednationonline.ca. Both of them go to me anyway. We so. want to know what your opinions are. Who do you think's next Who's to go? Who's the next person to leave this team? Should we start off by answering this? Uh, you know what? I I mean, I would say, you know, given that d has gone, I would say, well, why not take the next best player and get rid of Fry? Well, no, but I think the, the biggest... Let's, let's, the let's biggest, completely uh, destroy this team. The biggest... Uh, the biggest um, what made so attractive getting rid of the Rosario was the fact that it freed up so much salary space. Sure. So I think if if you look at the next to go, the next to go, like if you would if you're looking at the pecking Guzman. Yeah. But they're relying too heavily on this formation for him. Everyone keeps talking about how he's the key to making oh, this work. Oh, whatever. There's no key sure. to make it work. Sure, but they. I don't think. But they publicly. I'm not. I don't disagree with you, but publicly, what they've said, it would be. Weird for them to get rid of him, don't you think? I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise but me. But Sparky, you had another opinion. But who, you who think? did I say? Did I say you said Adakora. You yeah. think Adakora because of the contract? I, if I'm unless I've missed something that I uh, scouring the boards like I do way too much. Um, he's hasn't signed his contract yet. I don't think. I think he was he was in negotiations. I believe he's in an option year. They were trying to nail him down, I think, for four years, but he only wants to be on for two. And as far as I know, unless this is just another one of those things where MLC doesn't release information like they tend to do, um, I don't think he's signed his contract. And maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to ride this option year out now, and peace. I'm going to go give someone else a go. So, And then he'll have all the power. I mean, I, he's, what is he, 21 right now? He's 21. He's played almost... Two, he played almost two full, two and a half seasons professional football. Um, I can't see, you know, given his, his physical attributes anyways, I think he could go over to Europe and get, get a crack in somewhere like Belgium or Denmark or, um, hmm, I don't know, maybe in a second division club somewhere where there could be a contact that he could continue on there and, and get some good minutes. and Or bare minimum, his contract ends with Toronto and, re- and he renegotiates and goes, goes and plays for someone else. So... I don't know. I just think that um, De Guzman, that De Guzman has been like sort of the hopes on De Guzman have been the central pillar of this team and been the thing that func- all functions around have been discussed for a long time, but it's never materialised. Mm-hmm. So I it's think, a but there's a lot of money. Costs a lot of money. So um, they either got to, they've either he's either got to pony up and start be that person that like holds the whole midfield together and 
and feeds it through and does all these wonderful things, or they get someone else. So that's why I think the Guzman. I think the long shot would be Stefan Fry because he's good. Yeah, and I don't he's, think I, he, yeah, I he's don't good. Think. He's good, and if he keeps losing games, he'll probably just kind of get disheartened and want to move. Yeah, yeah. Who would want to stick with a sinking ship? So, should we do a summary of this game? Well, Steve. what happened? What happened? Like, I think we should summarize what what happened. So we had sure, why not? We had uh, lots of attacks at the beginning. We lost zero at the beginning. We felt like we looked pretty much out of sorts until like twenty uh, fourth minute uh, when we first had a uh, we hit some hardware. Um, we got our first goal at the thirty first minute, which looked like a beautiful goal. We saw some great imagination with between Gordon and Santos in the second half with that one tr- attempt on net. But really, yeah. it was there was fleeting moments of attack uh, or any kind of play. It was a pretty dull game. Yeah, and summarize. that's the unfortunate thing is that there was a points in the first half when they tied it up where you're like, just a matter of time till they till they pull the lead and they look like they're they're on track. And uh, and in the second half, just at, you know, it was the Santos miss. After that, it plummeted. Yeah. Uh, another interesting note is Gordon scores on his former team, mm-hmm. um, and we got to see a couple of new players, but really, generally uneventful. Yeah, you know? this reminded me a lot of the games that we saw last season yeah. that were kind of like tiresome draws. And I worried, especially that, over the summer between. A, like, in, in that last fifteen minutes, I thought we were going to lose it. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's looking at the playoffs it's realistically. Just that, this it's just year. that Chivas didn't have it in them either. Like no. it was like playing last week against Portland. Chivas didn't have the wherewithal to mount an attack at the end of the game, which is, so we don't know how we're looking. But it looks like maybe it's going to be more of the same from last year. Right, because it wasn't it wasn't that they were down one nil and and Satan you know salvaged one point. They they dropped two. Chivas is one of the, is they're missing like four starters. You're not going to get these kind of teams served up to you. Yeah. At home. Yeah. In this condition, and and we dropped two points. So. It's one of those one of those situations that we've seen year after yeah, year where we're, we're going to look back and say. Vinter, I think Vinter will be pleased with the point, though. I hope not. I, well, I think. I hope he's not because that, that we would tell you something. Nil, I think we consider we went one, one down nil after just over two minutes. I think he'd be pleased with the point. Oh. Could have been a lot worse, and I just I thought that we could have ended the first half two nil down. Yeah. Well, and then uh, looking ahead, if I'm not mistaken, the next home game is the. Uh, 16th, it's the LA away. Galaxy. No, it's the 13th, isn't it? it? We have a Wednesday night game. They're playing hmm. San Jose next weekend, and then they play on the Wednesday against LA Galaxy. So the team that uh, Chivas shares the stadium with, and it could be first ever appearance of David Beckham. Oh yeah, of course. Could be. Yeah. We've never, we've never had the pleasure of uh, David Beckham coming. Jesus. outside of that Aaron, Aaron, game. Aaron Vinter is hoping that he doesn't come. <laughs> So, anyways, <laughs> I guess we're finishing off on a somber note, but yeah. hopefully when we come back, uh, there'll be something to talk about. Anyway. Positive. Well, Thanks after, for the... after watching the game and uh, after the discussion this podcast, I'll, I'll, I won't be going to Canadian Tire and buying any Scots turf builder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is Timmy finishing off on the left. And Steve on the right. Spark Eastside Stand-Up is the only TFC-specific podcast breaking down the game, the home game at least, right after it happens. We want you to get involved. So if you're watching the game at home or even through the week come up with something, email us at haveyoursay at rednationonline.ca and help direct the discussion. Get your opinion across of what happened on the pitch today.